Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. How many of you this morning would be honest and by show of hands, admit that you use at least one social media application or platform? Let me see your hand. Whether well, that's what I thought, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. For those of you using flip phones today, a social media, <laughs> social media is an online service or site through which people create and maintain personal relationships. By definition, that's literally what it is. And I came across a statistic this week that uh, was kind of alarming, I guess, in some ways. Look what it says. One million new active mobile social users are added every single day. That's 12 every second. You ready? On the count of three, clap your hands. You ready? One, two, three. 12 just got added. 12 more. 12 more. 12 more. A million people a day are coming online and using either on their phone or tablet a social media platform. And the point of that is this. Human beings are longing for meaningful relationships. There is a hunger. God made us for relationships. And last weekend, we launched into a new series here at Hope that we are calling Love Life. God's perspective on marriage, dating, and singleness. And we're seeking to explore what God has to say about some of the most important relationships in our lives. People are searching and looking for meaningful relationships, but, but the question should be asked, are we looking in the right places? Are we, are we following God's design in our pursuit of genuine, authentic, lasting relationships. So I gave you a big idea last week, and I want to put back up here on the screen. Here's last weekend's big idea. Let's read it together. Before love in my life can, can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. We unpacked that last weekend. We looked at the reality that God made us for himself. God made us to love him and to be loved by him. And until we understand that, we will never enjoy relationships as God intended us to enjoy them. Before love in our lives can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of our life. All other relationships in our life find their place after a love relationship with God. And so last weekend, we laid that foundation, and we want to build upon that today. But as our teaching team was preparing this series, as we were praying and meeting and looking at God's word about this series, I was reminded of a story uh, from about over 20 years ago in my life personally. It was in the, one of the very first churches that I ever served on staff. I was the youth pastor. My senior pastor at the time was a man by the name of Pastor Jeff, 
And uh, Jeff Noblet was the pastor of this church. And our church began to get a real hunger for the mission that God had called us to. And it was the first time that our church had ever sent an international mission team. And our church put together this team. I was not a part of this first team, but we sent a team to go train leaders on the continent of Africa and join in God's activity way out in the bush of Africa. The team comes back and Pastor Jeff tells the staff, the pastors, this story. And I couldn't believe it when he first told it. He was actually training a group of pastors and leaders and he was teaching them principles of purity. How in ministry we need to guard our heart, we need to establish boundaries. And he was teaching stuff that in our culture here in America would be a no-brainer. You, you teach that, that, that God's design for sex is one man and one woman, one lifetime in the context of marriage. And he was teaching these pastors that they were to put boundaries in place and that they were to be sexually pure. And when he laid that principle out, the room kind of broke out in laughter. And the reason is because in the culture that he was speaking into, it was so much the norm that men in this culture uh, could, 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 could have sex outside of marriage as much as they wanted to, that the pastors, when he shared this biblical principle, literally thought he was joking. They thought he was telling a joke. And he had to back up and, and start over and lay this foundation again. And I share that story with you because as we begin, well, what I'm going to preach today was not originally a part of the plan for this series when we mapped it out. But as we begin to introduce this series, I begin to get questions from some of you about what we were going to be talking about. I begin to get questions from some of you via email, phone call, bumping into you at the gym or the grocery store here in the hallways on campus. And here's what I realized as a pastor, that, that we have a responsibility to shepherd in the culture that we're in. And I realized that we live in a culture today in America that's just as much broken when it comes to relationships and sexual purity as the culture that my pastor spoke into in Africa over 20 years ago. Maybe you're here this morning, and here's what you're thinking. Pastor, I appreciate what you're going to be teaching in this series, but, but I've gone so far past the boundaries that God's established in his word. I, I have experienced so much brokenness in my life relationally. It's almost a joke to think that I could ever enjoy God's design in this area of my life. We all come from different places. But I realize that there are some that are, that are going to hear me today. You come from a place of deep, relational brokenness and you really believe that you are past help you really believe that there is no hope for you 
you understand that God has principles in his word and you think that's great for other people, but, but when you look at your life, the mistakes that you've made, the circumstances you've endured, listen, I get it. Our world is broken relationally. And I'm not going to stand up here today and assume that I'm speaking to people that have not endured much of that brokenness. I know that many of you have come through severe, heart-wrenching, life-altering brokenness. But listen to me this morning. No matter who you are, no matter where you are. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've experienced. I want you to hear this big idea today. God's amazing grace brings beauty out of brokenness. There is hope for you today. And I say that today, as transparent as I can be, as somebody who myself, before Christ, experienced relational brokenness. I know a little bit of what it looks like. I have some of the scars. I am a living testimony there is hope for you today and listen not just me I've heard a lot of the stories of the people sitting around you there's a whole lot of people in here who when they came to Jesus had nothing but a bunch of broken pieces but listen our God is so big. He is great at taking the broken pieces of our lives and creating a beautiful masterpiece. So here's what I want you to hear today. There is hope because God's amazing grace can bring beauty out of brokenness. If that encourages you today, say amen. Let me break it down for you in three statements. Here's the first one. God has a divine design for human beings relationally. God has a plan. God created us, and God created us for relationships. But when he created us for relationships, he didn't just throw it up like spaghetti on the wall and trust that we'd figure it out. God has a divine design. He's given us in his word parameters and boundaries 
to shepherd and to guard this thing of relational intimacy. And I know when we hear that, immediately kind of the bristles on the back of our neck stand up because we think, oh yeah, God's boundaries, God's design, it just robs us of all the joy and the pleasure and the fun. But that's not why God gave us boundaries. God didn't say, don't do this or do this. God didn't say, don't do this to rob us or hurt us. He didn't say, do this to create pain and hardship. No, when God said, don't do this, God said, don't hurt yourself. When God said, do this, God said, help yourself. God's parameters and boundaries relationally were not given to us to rob us of pleasure and hurt us and remove the joy. No, God's boundaries were given, listen, to bless us. Let me show it to you. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. I read this in my quiet time, my God time this week. Look what he said. Blessed are those who, what? Say it out loud. Hear the word of God. It didn't just say hear it though, right? What does it say? And observe it. Sorry are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That's what the enemy says. That's what your flesh says. My flesh says, man, if I hear the word of God and observe it, that sure isn't going to be any fun. You know what that is? A lie. Shouldn't surprise us. Jesus called him a liar and the father of all lies. His chief tool is deception. When we hear the word of God and observe it, it doesn't bring ruin. It brings blessing and favor and joy and peace and satisfaction. So so this idea that God has a design, let me give you a couple of statements that kind of unpack this. Number one, this is not on the screen, but listen to this. Wholeness as human beings only comes from a relationship with God. Wholeness only comes through a relationship with God. That's why we said last weekend, before love in my life will ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. Our culture has embraced a tragic deception. Here's the deception that we've embraced relationally. Somehow, wholeness or completeness is found through a relationship with another human being. That's a lie. There are so many people, listen, there are so many Christians who are on the lookout for that right special someone believing if I can just find that right someone, then I'll be whole, then I'll be complete, then everything in me will be right. Tim Keller writes about it in his book, The The Meaning of Marriage, phenomenal book. Listen to what he said. It is the illusion that if we find our one true soulmate, everything wrong with us will be healed. But that makes the lover into God. And no human being can live up to that. If you think someone, some other human being relationally is where you are going to find wholeness and meaning and completeness, you are wrong. Only Jesus can do that. Only God can do that. That's why Paul wrote and he said, for in him we live and move and have our being. We find our wholeness in him, not in another person. So so then here's the, the second part of this. By God's design, we live out our wholeness 
in relationships with others from two perspectives or two vantage points. Don't miss this. Our wholeness is not found in relationships with others. Our wholeness is found in Him. And then we live out our wholeness that we find in our relationship with Him in relationships with others, but we do it primarily from two vantage points. The first one is singleness. Now, hear me. Already whole in Him, now as a single person, you live out your relationship God, your relationship with God, you know, the wholeness of your relationship with God, your completeness in Him. You live that out in a fellowship relationship with others. And the two defining words that really define this idea of singleness, and we're going to talk more about this next weekend, are, are purity and community. As a single person, you live out completeness in your relationship with God in intimate fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, but the governing principle of that intimate fellowship is a pursuit of purity for yourself and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 said it this way. Paul said, for God has called, not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So the first way that we relate out of the wholeness of our relationship with God is as singles. And, and, and that, that's really a two-fold category as well. All of us are single for a season. We all are. Nobody comes into this world married. <laughs> we all have a season of singleness. Sometimes as singles, you can get to the place where you think, Nobody else has ever been through what I'm going through. But listen, all of us have. Everybody has been single. Everybody's been there. And again, we're going to talk more about this next weekend, but, but some are single by calling and gifting. Some are single only for a season, but others are single by calling and gifting. Let me read you a verse, and again, we'll unpack this next weekend. Look what it says. Paul says, yet I wish that all men or all people were as I am myself. Paul's writing here as a single. He says, however, each man has his own gift from God. <laughs> it's interesting. The Bible, Paul says, I wish everybody was like me. I wish everybody could have the gift that I have. And yet so many times as singles, we don't have a biblical perspective and see it as a gift. We see it as a curse. Paul says it's a gift from God himself. He said, one in this manner and another in that. He said, however, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Paul says here singleness is not being incomplete. Paul says here that singleness is a gift and a blessing of God. And it's unfortunate that often the church treats singleness like it's something that needs to be fixed. Can I get an amen from all the singles in the room who are tired of your brothers and sisters in Christ trying to fix you up all the time? Like something is wrong? Listen, there's not anything wrong. You are whole and complete in Christ. And you get to relate to other people out of the overflow of your intimate love relationship with God as a gifted 
member of the body of Christ. We're going to talk more about that next weekend. But, but, but that's one of the ways that out of the overflow of our wholeness and completeness, we relate to others. But then secondly, the second way is by being married. So out of the wholeness and completeness of our relationship with God, some as singles, others as married, we then begin to relate to other brothers and sisters in Christ and people in the world. The words that define marriage, and we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, are intimacy and oneness. Two, becoming one flesh. Let me just say it because it needs to be said in the culture that we live in. God's design is that marriage is a life-giving relationship that is permanent between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That's what the biblical foundation of marriage is. It's one man, it's one woman, but it's one lifetime. There's not just one section of our society that has broken God's design for marriage. God's ultimate design for marriage is one man, one woman, one lifetime. We can't pick half the definition and and put our stump in the ground on that. We got to take the whole definition of what marriage is. One man, one woman, one lifetime, if we're going to be consistent in our voice. But, But the principle is that God has a design for us human beings relationally. First of all, it's as singles, but also it's then as married couples, now one flesh. From those two vantage points, we then carry out our relationships with others. But here's the second point this morning. Sin corrupted God's divine design and leaves us hopelessly broken. I want to put a graphic up here that we're going to build throughout this morning's talk. And here's what this says. This says God's design. God has a design. What is that? It's, first of all, that our wholeness is found in him. And then relationally, we live that out from one of two perspectives, either as singles or as married couples, now one flesh, we then relate to others around us. But sin entered the picture, and sin brought brokenness to God's divine design. Let me read you out of Genesis chapter 2 what the Scripture says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife We're both naked and we're not ashamed. By God's design, when he created this intimate relationship, there was an innocence and a purity about this relationship between husband and wife. You see it in these phrases, naked and not ashamed. There was a a purity and a wholeness and an innocence. But then Genesis chapter 3 describes how Adam and Eve sinned against God. Here's what they did. For the very first time, they stepped across God's boundary. And when they stepped across God's boundary, what happened is it brought brokenness into the world. Look at it in Genesis chapter 3 on the screen. He says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loin coverings. The, The innocence, the purity was broken. They hid from one another. But then look what it says. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. 
You see the brokenness? The moment human beings stepped across God's boundary, sin immediately introduced brokenness into our relationship with God and each other. And since that moment, human beings have continued to push against God's boundaries and the wickedness of sin has twisted and distorted God's design, leaving us hopelessly broken, left to ourselves. Let me give you one illustration of this. God gave us a clear boundary regarding intimacy and relationships. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, up here on the screen. Look at this. Read this with me. Say it out loud. For this is the will of God. Hang on right there. Anybody want to know the will of God? I don't think in 27 years of ministry, there's a question I've been asked more than, well, what do you think God's will is? Well, can I read it to you in black and white right here? <laughs> For this is the will of God. Here's what that means. You don't even have to pray about this. You don't need to see counsel. You don't need to go to the bookstore and buy a book about it. This is the will of God. What is it? Your sanctification, that is that you abstain from what? Sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia. Sound familiar? Porneia. We we get an English word from it, but really in the Greek language, this word was used to describe any sexual expression outside of God's boundary of a relationship between a husband and his wife in the confines of marriage. Here's what God said. You know the will for you? Here's the will. Sex outside of marriage between a husband and a wife is not God's will for you or for me, period. Period. But here's what's happened. As human beings, we have pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed against the boundary of God. So much so that now even this statement in the context of Christians makes people go, "Mm, I don't know about that. We've drifted so far that a verse that plainly says, here's the will of God. That we struggle with it. I want to show you the graphic again. Brokenness resulting from sin can look like a lot of things. Casual sex, adultery, divorce, homosexuality, cohabitation, pornography, polygamy, lust, sexual abuse, and on and on and on and on and on. Here's what we like to do inside the church. We like to pick a couple of these things. But it's all broken. Boundaries are for our good. In the last two weeks, we've witnessed two tragic hurricanes. You know what a hurricane is? It's when the ocean 
steps over its boundary. As long as the ocean stays within its boundary of the shore, it's beautiful. It's not just beautiful, it's awesome. Anybody else like going to the beach? Man, I love going to the beach. I, you get me on the beach, I can sit there for hours and just watch. I love the, the, the ocean inside its boundaries. It's beautiful. It's enjoyable. It's relaxing. It's pleasurable. But you let that ocean come across that boundary, and that which was beautiful becomes dangerous. That which was beautiful becomes destructive. God gave us boundaries not to rob us. God gave us boundaries to bless us. You know what this is? This is the hurricane that sin has brought into the world relationally because we stepped across the boundary of God's divine design. And listen, sin never delivers that which it promises. It's always like a cup with a hole in the bottom of it. You can fill it for a moment, and there'll be some temporary fulfillment. But as soon as you go back, it's empty again. If you're here today, and you are experiencing the brokenness of sin in your relationships, listen. You're not alone. If you find yourself somewhere on this list or somewhere that didn't even make the list, listen, you are not alone. But I have good news for you today. And here it is. The gospel brings hope into that which is broken. The gospel brings hope. Let me show you the graphic. God's design Sin entered into God's design and brought brokenness. But the gospel of Jesus Christ can cover all the brokenness in our lives. Listen to what John 10.10 10 says. It says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come. <laughs> I've come that you might have life. And listen, have it abundantly. You know what the word abundantly means? At, at its root, the Greek word for abundantly means more than enough. Anybody want a life like that? What's your life like? Whew, it's more than enough. More than enough. I'm full. It's, it's enough. It's, it's not just enough. It's more. Jesus said, the thief, listen, if you step across God's boundaries, here's what you're going to get. He's going to steal your life. He's going to destroy your life. He's going to ruin your life. But if we embrace the boundaries of God, here's what he says, I'll give you more than enough. I'm not going to give you a cup of the whole. I'm just going to keep filling your cup till it overflows. And there's not enough for you to hold. The gospel brings hope. You say, how do I get in on that? Look at it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Yeah, I got that part. Amen. I'm feeling that. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do I get in on that? I get in on that by faith. 
I receive the free gift of God that is salvation. When I receive Jesus, the good news that Christ came to die. Listen, you know what Jesus did on the cross? He took all of your brokenness and all of my brokenness. He took every single instance where we'd stepped across God's boundary. And what you and I deserve, the Bible said, because of that is to die. We deserve death in this life and in life for eternity. But Jesus died in our place. He took all of the death and all of the brokenness so that you and I could by faith in him. Receive the gospel and be given life. Be given life. Get this. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus not only restores the brokenness in our relationship with God, but he comes to live inside of us, to live his life through us in such a way, get this, that it restores, it restores that which has been broken Because of sin. Now, don't miss this. Doesn't mean that I won't still have struggles. Listen, sin has consequences. Doesn't mean that I won't still have moments where I hurt. But here's what it does mean. Christ in you is now the hope. Of glory. Christ in you, living through you, can give you back that which you lost because of the brokenness of sin. Here's what we understand in this part of this I can't. Some of you living there right now, Pastor. I can't get back there. You're right, you can't. But he can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Moment by moment. Christ can give me victory over that which had ruined and broken my life. Christ now moment by moment can begin to give me victory. And I can begin to live restored and redeemed by the amazing grace of God. And I know some of you think, Pastor, you just don't know how broken I am. One last verse. Look at it. Paul said, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you're going to see there, Pastor, I told you. No, read the rest. Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. 
Let me finish where we started. God's amazing grace brings beauty out of your brokenness. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to every man, every woman, every teenager, every single adult, every college student, every child. Lord, that you would, by your grace and the power of your Spirit in this moment, begin to speak to every human being in this room right to their heart. As you sit here this morning with your head bowed before the Lord. You came in here today, some of you, carrying a lot of brokenness. Here's what I want to invite you to do today. Leave it at the altar. How about this? How about you exchange your brokenness for the beauty of that which you can have through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's a deal, huh? You bring brokenness, he'll bring the beauty. Some of you are here today and you, you're not a Christian. You need to begin a relationship with God. That's the starting point for you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song of worship. We have some pastors here at the front. You can come to any one of us, and all you have to say is this, I need Jesus. And we have somebody who will sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God today. All you got to do is come. Just come. Just come. For others of you today, you're a believer, and you got a lot of brokenness. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do today. You can come. We're going to take these steps, turn them into an old-fashioned altar. You can come and get in one of these altars. Or you can turn your seat into an altar. And I want you to just lay it at the feet of Jesus. Just all of it. Anything that the Holy Spirit of God brings to mind. Anything that you've done, any action, any habit or anything that's been done to you, just bring it to him and and throw yourself on the mercy and the grace of Jesus. Listen, that doesn't mean that you're going to walk out of here and there won't be any struggles. That's not what I'm saying. But it's the first step on a journey to experiencing victory and grace and beauty out of brokenness. Give him your brokenness and embrace his grace for others of you that need to pray with a pastor we're here something in your job your health your family we'd be honored to pray with you and for you you just come today God would you move in this moment Lord may may there be in this moment a confession of the brokenness of our lives and may there may, may there be an invasion of your grace an infusion of your grace that brings hope and restoration and beauty out of brokenness. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.